Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and to the traditional owners of the game Mangrook, without which our game wouldn't exist. This is Footy Actually, brought to you by Play On Radio. Hello and welcome to Footy Actually, the alternative listening footy podcast for diehard fans. My name is Kel Rowe and I'm here with my co-host, Gemma Bastiani, AFLW analyst extraordinaire. How are you going, Gem? Hello. We're recording late because I wanted to make sauce. It's important. Everyone knows sauce is the key to a dish, a la MasterChef. I'm going to make us take a very quick break in this recording as well so I can go and give it a stir. It's currently simmering. <laughs> Priorities. <laughs> to make some lasagna. So that's on me. Please send me a piece when you're done. That would be great. Provided I don't eat it all. Okay, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> well, before we get stuck into round four, I think we need to talk about one thing. I don't really want to talk about the Lions pumping Carlton for a 35-point win, um, but it would be absolutely remiss of us not to discuss the force that is Zimmy Farquharson. What a debut. Yeah, so the thing about Zimmy is that she was picked at number eight in 2020 so she's been on Brisbane's list for a year and sat on the sidelines when they won that premiership she hadn't she had a couple of injuries and you know there was there's depth on that Brisbane list so she couldn't break through yeah a little bit of a false start that's okay but then she comes out and has a game like she did on Tuesday against Carlton and her first touch was phenomenal she gathers Mm -hmm. it on the wing takes a bounce is under a bit of pressure, but still kicks beautifully into Jesse Wardlaw at the top of the goal square. You know, it's just so exciting. And she got the rising star nom, which was very deserved. But we couldn't have this pod without mentioning her game on Tuesday, not her debut. Absolutely. I thought she teamed up really well with Wardlaw. I'm really excited to see some more of that. The athleticism that both of them have makes their forward line so mobile, which is really scary. As if they needed any more damaging forwards. Yeah, and they've got (laughs) such a nice array of them. That's the thing. You've got a Mm. Bodie who has the sidestep and the speed. You've got a Hodder who has the pressure. You've now got Zimmy who's got that forethought, that vision into the 50. Wardlaw, obviously, really good in the air, but also at ground level. Dakota Davidson is really strong in the air. Like, they've got everything. That's obscene. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it is. Well, round four continued with the theme of COVID flexibility. I think we're probably a little bit, little bit naive thinking that it might be one and done or three and done. This time West Coast was taken out of the contest and St Kilda got a rest this week. Extra games have been pulled forward for WA given that indefinite border closures are making it complicated when they return home. So this week we got Thursday night footy and we've also got a Tuesday night game to come. So Thursday night's game was the Collingwood and Freo game at Vic Park and coming into this game, Collingwood had won eight, eight games on the trot at Vic Park. Yeah. Uh, They'd only lost their very first one there against Melbourne back in 2019. So, you know, it's a bit of a fortress for them, but straight off the bat, Frio blew that out of the water. Their pressure was overwhelming. They laid 76 tackles, but it wasn't just the tackles that they laid. It was the closing space. It was the double teaming. Like there was no room to breathe or move for Collingwood and that resulted in Collingwood getting their fewest inside 50s in their history which is just 10 and that's actually the second fewest 
in competition history. So Britt Benici kicked a goal in the first quarter. For her first goal since her very first goal uh, with seven behinds in between for Britt. So at least she's broken that streak. But Collingwood just couldn't get the ball forward. And I have questions over how that forward line operates. I think it's been a theme of me talking about Collingwood for the past two and a half years is <laughs> they don't, I don't think they score enough to be a really damaging team. And that was really exposed. I know this is probably an outlier, but I think it, it um, exacerbated some problems they already had. But mm. then you look on the flip side, Anya Tai was moved into defense, played on Sabrina Frederick, had 12 intercepts, which is the second most of any Fremantle player in history. She was phenomenal. First game in that position. Just amazing to watch for someone so tall to have such agility and such ability to gather from the ground as well as taking the air. Like she just ran ran rings around Sabrina. Yeah, and then you've got, you know, obviously Kiara Bowers in the middle was really strong, but Hayley Miller's season has just <laughs> blown me away. Absolutely get out. Yeah, her breakaway <laughs> power out of the stoppages. It's not just that she does that multiple times a game. It's that she does it in the dying stages of the game where everyone else is exhausted, but she's still got that power in her legs to get away from the stoppage, move inside 50, and then gather the ball back later in that possession chain. So Fremantle has everything clicking at the moment. They've protected themselves really well from health and safety protocols and stuff like that as well. They've Mm. been in a hub. I think it's really impressive what they're doing. They took away Collingwood's game and then piled their own on top of that. I was on the sideline and all I could think watching it was that Collingwood were trying to execute their standard game plan that might work against nearly every other team in the competition, but Frio were just too fast and too fit and completely outran them in the end. They were constantly first to the ball and the pressure that they put on Collingwood was just phenomenal. Yeah. The time away from home for the Dockers only really seems to be fueling their um, desire to be a, a finals contender. So who will you play on performer votes scored? So I've given three to Hayley Miller. Again, I think she's been phenomenal this year. She had 19 touches, 254 metres gained, two goals and five tackles. So I just think her consistent performance throughout a game, not just to do those flashy things, she's, she's constantly involved. I think it's really impressive. I've given two to Kiara Bowers, you know, standard 26 disposal, seven tackle game for her. She also had six inside 50s, five clearances and 362 metres gain. So, you know, a very attacking game from her once the ball was won. And that's what I really love about Bowers is we always talk about her tackles and she's a tackling machine. But when the ball is in Frio's possession, she's a very attacking player, which I love. Hmm. Um, and then one to on your tie because again her 14 disposals went at 71.4 percent efficiency which is phenomenal but then 12 intercepts the only other Freo player to have more than um, that uh, is Janelle Cuthbertson who had 17 in round one last year and then she also took six marks amazing well I agree with you I've gone three votes for Hayley Miller she is having an absolute season I've given two votes to Anya T I thought her matchup against Sabs Frederick was amazing. She completely outplayed her that entire game and it was just really impressive to see. And I've given one vote to Britt Benici because she tried her <laughs> best to make things happen for the pies and just kept running and running and running. I think she ran, she, did she do 488 metres? Let me have a look. Do, 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 488 metres gained. Huge game. So Friday night, we saw the Doggies return to play and face the Giants on their new deck at Henson Park. Uh, Despite a valiant crack at footy after two weeks out of the competition, the Dogs fell by 21 points to a remixed Giants side, um, who, surprisingly, their COVID outs only seemed to revitalise their game. GWS took advantage of the Dogs' early inaccuracies in front of goal and utilised some new avenues to score with defenders Lou Stevenson and Nicola Barr, both getting a run up forward and reaping the rewards. What do you think of that? Yeah, so my again, going back to my complaint about a team for the past two and a half years, the Giants have relied on too few to do the job for a long time. They're mm. very rigid. They don't try a lot of different things, really. It's the same players are in the same positions. They don't move the magnets too much. So that's why I think these outs, these five outs that they had, six outs, sorry, in the end, actually was a blessing in disguise because it forced them to move these players around. And all yeah. of a sudden they're getting contributions in ways that they haven't in the past. So Parker and Eva to this point of the season or 
prior to this game, had been responsible for 50% of GWS's clearances. Last year, it was Parker and Beeson that were responsible for more than 50% of GWS's clearances. Mm. Against the Dogs, that was actually lowered to 35%, and 12 different Giants won a clearance. I know Elise Parker still won five, and there was still some dominance from her, but it wasn't like if those two aren't doing it, there's nothing else. Yeah. And then it f- was meant that they could maybe get on the outside a little bit more, get involved in a different way, which I really liked. And then um, the it was uh, Giants' highest score of 2022 so far, and Staunton only kicked one goal. That's the other thing. They've been so reliant on Cora Staunton to kick their goals. If she doesn't kick them, they're not scoring. Mm. All of a sudden, they make these adjustments. Lou Stevenson goes forward. Nicola Barr goes forward. And they are less predictable in that forward line. And all of a sudden, they're piling on a score that we haven't seen from them this year. So I think those forced changes were the best thing to possibly happen to them. What I want to see now is not for them to go back to, you know, Chloe Dalton comes back in, Rebecca Privitelli comes back in, Rebecca Beeson comes back in, and they just rest on those laurels again. Because I think... Without those players that you know are very, very good, you realize maybe as a player that's second tier to them, Mm. that it's on you now. So let's get the job done rather than expecting that they're going to do it. And that's probably the biggest lesson the Giants can learn out of this. Yeah, you'd have to think that in that situation, it's really imbued some players with some confidence that they might not have had before. And it's shown in the results of the game. Mm. I mean, I was hoping for a nice return to play story for the dogs, but it's just equally good to see the Giants find a bit of form. I think it's good for the competition. Who were your play and performer votes for this week? So I've given the three to Nicola Barr, which is probably controversial, but she kicked the three goals. She laid three tackles, has had eight disposals. But what I like is her speed around the contest. She backed herself in and she's Mm. got a really beautiful set shot routine as well. So she took opportunities as they came. The first goal was a soccer off the deck near the goal line. She was active around the contest, which GLS don't have a lot of. So I really like that. And again, it gave them that point of difference in the forward line. So that's why I've given bar three. And again, probably controversial. I've given two to Emily Pease because she was the one that went into the midfield and did the work to help spread the load. And she's in her second game, third game. Mm. So she had 15 disposals at 73% efficiency, which is super high when you're playing a contested brand of footy. Three tackles, two clearances. She was very consistent throughout the game too. So constant contribution. And then one to Elise Parker, 20 touches, six tackles, five clearances, you know, an Elise Parker game. But again, it wasn't all about her, which is the difference here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. I've given three votes uh, to Nicola Barr. It's always good to see a defender kick goals um, and to kick three, particularly when you hadn't kicked any up Mm. until that point in your, what, 33 game career yeah long longest wait um currently for to to kick your first goal i think sarah allen has played 43 games without kicking a goal though so she's up there 42 games um i've given two votes to elise parker because again she is a workhorse in that midfield but obviously the team up front need a good service to get those goals so always important to have that connection um and i've given one point to ellie blackburn who as per the usual just tried her guts out to get something happening for her team. I really, really felt for her when she was on to kick a goal and Nell Morris Dalton came through and got pinged for pushing the Giants player in the back. It's a bit of an unnecessary bump that cost them a goal. Uh, You can tell Ellie's coming back from being sick as well because I've never seen her sucking in the oxygen like she did on that game. She was hands on her knees at the end of every break. So uh, she didn't stop working. She still worked as hard as she always has, but you can tell that it's affected her. Absolutely. Hopefully she she gets a little bit of rest in the extremely short turnaround for the next game. We'll get to that one later. First up on Saturday, we got a bit of a look at a possible finals matchup between Adelaide and Melbourne, with the Crows continuing their good run of form and claiming a 14-point victory. Much like they're adding against Brisbane, they just applied extremely heavy pressure on the Ds from Siren to Siren. And anyone who thinks that Erin Phillips is not still at her peak form is a mug because she absolutely stamped her authority on the game and booted three goals. 
the D's lifted in the final term, but it just wasn't enough to reclaim the lead in the end. Yeah, that pressure is the thing. And, and we've seen Richmond do it for a couple of quarters. We've seen St Kilda do it for three quarters. We've seen the Western Bulldogs do it for a couple of quarters. That's the way to beat Melbourne. You, as soon as you apply that pressure, they can't use that clean kicking style. And I probably will get yelled at for this or people will judge me for having said this, but <laughs> a lot of disposals for Melbourne on the weekend didn't necessarily mean you are the best player on the ground or best player for the Demons because the way they used the ball was really poor. Eliza McNamara, she had 22 disposals. Great, but she hit a target maybe 35% of the time. Other times it was just going to a 50-50. Mm. Uh, Gab Colvin, I think, really struggled in defense uh, on Ash Woodland. She Maybe her speed got caught out a little bit. So I think got to look at Melbourne from the perspective of not just how many touches did you get, but what did you actually do with it when you did have that touch? And Mm. I think that's maybe where people are getting lost with Melbourne. So like the use of the ball is the backbone of the game style. If you get the ball a lot, but turn it over a lot, it's not useful. It's better that you don't get it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not efficient. And again, I'm not attacking individual players on purpose or anything, but it's just the reality of the pressure, the way they want to play. Yeah. And then Adelaide just fed into that. They, again, we talk about them being super fit, them and Freo, they're the super fit teams. They can apply pressure from the first siren to the last. And Collingwood was found out this way. Collingwood wanted to use that clean kicking through the corridor style. That's what Melbourne wanted to do. As soon as the pressure's on, They can't use the ball in the way that they want and the whole thing breaks down. And a really interesting thing here is Melbourne's taken eight marks inside 50 in round one, 10 in round two, seven in round three. They took two marks inside 50. Both were Daisy Pierce in this game. So that shows you they couldn't get the ball inside 50 the way they wanted. The choices going forward were questionable and that's because of the pressure that Adelaide was putting on, whether it was perceived or the reality of players bearing down. Adelaide just took away everything that Melbourne wanted to use in that game. I think the margin in this probably flatters Melbourne a little bit. Yeah, right. Who were your play on performer votes for? Well, three to Phillips, obviously kicked the three goals, 17 touches, six tackles. She was really dangerous. She would start in the middle and push forward. Um, So she was dangerous in attack both ways. Um, Two to Ebony Marinoff, 26 touches, six tackles, five clearances, amazing. And this one I had to raffle between Anne Hatchard and Sarah Allen. I've gone with Sarah Allen because I think she set the standard really early. She took three marks, two of those were contested really early in the game, intercepting mm. marks. She had seven intercepts for the for the game, but her positioning was unbelievable in this one. I've also got Erin Phillips for three. Um, like I said, you'd be mad not to. She's clearly still absolutely in prime form and it's a pretty special thing to watch. Uh, I've given two votes to Mariana Radic. Her work on the back line, basically just creating a wall and, <laughs> and not, as you say, not letting Melbourne have those inside 50 marks. Um, and I've given one vote to Eliza McNamara because even though she did have a lot of disposals and she might not have used them <laughs> efficiently. I didn't see that before. <laughs> I still think she, she did a lot of work for the Ds, even if it wasn't coming off for them. Tough game. I'm sorry, Eliza. I'm not trying to come for you. I just was the first person that came to mind for me. I still love you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So in the second hit out for Saturday, the Lions hosted the Cats at their home deck in Maroochydore and they claimed a narrow two-point win. It was a pretty exciting matchup. The Cats are continuing to show growth and improvement and their backline was pretty resolute. 
They kept the Lions' goalless for the first quarter, which I thought was pretty impressive. The Lions worked their way back into the game thanks to a busy Emily Bates and managed to hold on to the win. Despite a dangerous Chloe Shear kicking snags in the back half of the game, the Cats could have snatched it, if not for that last miss. Yes, well, it's been noted that every time I write about a team, they do well the next time they play. So um, I'm taking credit. No, I'm joking. Fully <laughs> joking. But I do recommend going and reading that Geelong article I wrote. Would you like me to put it in the notes? Yeah, absolutely. Sounds great. <laughs> so for me, Aura Dwyer is probably the story for Brisbane so far. She was good last year. She came second in their BNF count in a premiership season. She's mm. great this year. She's taken that step up. She's averaging the most meters gained in the competition with 472.8 per game. That's nearly half a K per game that she's getting the ball forward for Brisbane, which is massive in the context of AFLW. That's wild. She's also averaging career best disposals with 18.3, inside 50s with five per game and tackles with four per game. So she's doing it on all levels. She's still a little bit scratchy sometimes when she kicks the ball, but if she's getting it forward that much, You don't mind it so much because gaining ground, especially when it got wet in this one, so Mm. important. She also kicked a goal in this one. I just really like her attack on the ball. What I didn't like was Geelong thinking that for the first half, they didn't need to have anyone accountable for her. Uh, If Anina Morrison was playing, she would have been out on that wing with her and limiting her run. But no one seemed to acknowledge that you can't just let her do what she wants. Mm. especially with the form she's in. So maybe a Sophie Vanderhoeven or someone like that needed to play more accountable to her. But other than that, great game to watch. I'm just, yeah, like I said before, really impressed with what the Cats are bringing to the competition this year. It's really great to see. Who was your plan performer votes for? So obviously we give three to Emily Bates. She's kicked a goal for the second week in a row. She had 23 touches. She's just so unassuming. I think, mm. you know, you think of, really amazing midfielders you go Ebony Marinoff you go Madison Presparkas like there's all those players and then obviously Georgie Presparkas and Charlie Robon were getting attention this year being recently drafted but holy cow Emily Bates just is so reliable every single week and I just love it so go Emily Bates two to Oloro Dwyer for all the reasons I mentioned earlier then one to Chloe Shear she kicked three goals she hasn't had the easiest start to the year at Geelong she had a head knock in round one Round two, they were just using the ball really poorly and not defending. So she didn't really get a look at the ball. And then she didn't play round three. Finally, she's out playing out of the goal square. They're getting it deep enough inside 50 for her to have a genuine look at goal. And and it was great. Yeah, really good to see. I agree. I've given three votes to Emily Bate. I've given two votes to Chloe Shear. Uh, Great to see her kicking goals and finally hitting her straps after a bit of a rough start. And I've given one to Greta Bodie because I just love oh she's so good love the attack on goals love the bulk she stepped three players in one passage of play in the space of I don't know maybe like two meters it's just so impressive to see and yeah makes for a really really exciting watching because she's so aware of her surroundings she's able to slow the game down for herself and yeah make space because she's just constantly aware of what's around her who they are so it can be accountable to their skill as well. It's just phenomenal to watch because when she does get the ball, she has a quick glance around and goes. Yeah, fantastic. Sorry to just jump in and uh, commandeer your vote discussion. <laughs> no, I love, I love the excitement. It's like a game. It's just so fantastic to watch. And then we get to, then we get to Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> so the Sunday Blues were very much a theme of my Sunday afternoon. Uh, oh god with with Carlton succumbing to a clean and calculating north outfit the ruse were just too clever they were constantly finding loose players in space they were leading out early and they were taking clean possession of the footy the pressure at stoppages was also amazing it forced some panic decision making from the blues who seemed really unable to string passages of possession together I think they turned the ball over um via intercept 44 times would you like me to actually? I can't check. I haven't put that into my system yet. Sorry. Okay. Well, I've I heard that out of the mouth of uh, half, so I'll take it. Okay. It's worth mentioning that I guess Carlton uh, have only had a five day turnaround since their game early in the week, and they still have a few key health and safety outs. But that's two weeks in a row now that the Roos have absolutely run rings around their opposition. 
Carlton, <laughs> I messaged the Siren group chat during this game. And my whole message was Carlton are frustrating. Yes. Um, they just invite the pressure with their ball use. They'll, the, the handball or the kick will just be this high loopy ball that takes ages to get to the teammate, which if it's done properly, like Darcy Vessio hitting up Nick Stevens, amazing, perfect. But within the context of a pressured midfield where you're trying to get the ball forward, it's just asking North Melbourne to come in, close down that space, either win the ball or even it, and then they lose it at ground level. It's mm. just so frustrating that they couldn't fix that during the game. I know within a pressured game, a short turnaround, all that stuff, footy is a hard game to play. So I acknowledge all of that, but it was just frustrating to watch them constantly miss that handball option. I either missed it completely or put it up and put their teammate under that pressure. So there was a lot of times when I was, and I was there watching it where I thought that instead of waiting for the perfect handball and then getting cleaned up by one of their opposition, they could have actually had more efficient use of the footy if they put it on their boot and searched it yeah. forward. Yeah, and I really liked what a lot of the younger players were doing because they were a lot quicker with that sort of stuff. Keely Shira, Brooke Vickers, Poppy Shap, those sorts of players, they weren't waiting. They were either taking it and running and using their speed because they were the quicker players or they were very cleanly getting that mm. handball out between space. So Poppy Shap had a handball that actually resulted in one of the goals. So I, I like them having the youth come through. Um, the reason they've got the youth coming through is because they've had a lot of those outs, but I'd like to see Carlton really kind of dedicate the rest of this season to getting that youth up to scratch because that's how they fix these problems, I think, rather than, you know, hoping that older players that maybe are getting towards the end of their careers will mm. change, which I don't think is going to happen. Well, I'm being really harsh today. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I'm I'm right there with you. It seems like a better use and, dare I say, a better way of salvaging this season if they start investing in those players now. That's a reality of a 10-round season, isn't it? They've won one game in, in the first four weeks. The reality mm. is it's going to be very hard for them to make the top six from here. So I think they've got to start to shift that focus to how do we win it next year? Which I know is probably not what you want to say internally because you don't want to go into games thinking that you're going to lose, but a 10-round season, it, it, yeah. that's probably what you've got to do now. You've got to assess your options for sure. Yeah. yeah. Who are your play and performer votes for this round? Yes. So after speaking all about Carlton, uh, <laughs> Ash Riddell gets my three. <laughs> um, 30 disposals, five marks. Speaking of that youth and, and seeing what the future looks like, I think what North is doing is really interesting. They're starting to move some of those more experienced players out of the midfield. They've mm. got Mia King in there. They've got Ash Riddell in there. Jenna Bruton's playing a lot more on the ball. And Emma Carney's at halfback. And a few of those movements are happening. I really like that to prepare themselves so they don't get shot in the foot when, you know, an Emma Carney can't play in that midfield anymore. They've got enough there. They've got the experience there. So I really like that. I'm really liking Carney off the halfback too. That's a great role for her, I think. Yeah, especially when Carney's strength is that breakthrough run and speed coming, yeah. like spitting out of the halfback line, it's more powerful than her starting on the ball and having to break away. Yeah. Two to Caitlin Ashmore, who I just adore. And I just want to mention that I'm, I don't know if I said it at the top before we recorded or in the recording, but I'm going to say it. I'm really glad that people are just constantly talking about wingers this year. Um, and I'm going to take it as because of <laughs> my article in the ABC last year. I'm not linking it. I did that last week. Oh, you did. Sorry. Just constantly talking. It got mentioned so many times today. So I just have to shout that out. Yeah. Caitlin Ashmore had the 11 touches and, and a goal, but it's what she does without the ball that makes her so dangerous. So shout out to her. And then one to Daria Bannister. She kicked the two goals. But what I liked was her pressure in the forward line. And then after not the best start to the game, she worked her way into it. And her work rate was just through the roof in that forward line. So shout out to Daria Bannister. Yeah, I agree. I've given, I've also given three votes to Ashradell. She's just having a really solid season so far. Such a high work rate in that middle. I've given two to Daria Bannister. I really liked, despite the fact that she was not the team that I was supporting, I really liked uh, the two snaps from the pockets at each end of the field. Unbelievable. So good. Tough angle, nailed it each time. I believe uh, I read somewhere that that pocket 
um, down the grandstand end is now called the Geordie Allen pocket. That was my tweet that uh, Steph Kiyachi stole. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Jordan Allen kicked a goal from there in round one against Carlton. Um, beautiful kick. And, and Dara Bannis has just gone and one-upped it. Yeah, absolutely. And I've given one vote to Georgia G. I just thought that her repeat efforts uh, in the face of some pretty furious pressure were really good, especially when she was playing defensively and trying to regain the ball. One point for G for effort. <laughs> One point for effort. <laughs> just, just a shame it didn't pay off. And then our last game for the weekend was an absolute competition up at Metricon Stadium with the Gold Coast Suns hosting Richmond at home and snagging a five-point win. This was such an entertaining match to watch. Both sides have shown such a huge improvement this season. They're really stepping it up in the competition. It's so good to see. We were gifted with some classic Perco moments, some huge goals from emerging talent Tara Bahana, and a real team performance from the Suns. And the Tigers gave it back just as much with Conti overcoming a tag, Brennan bagging a double, and the Richmond back line were just working really hard to clear that ball. The Suns played really confident footy. They came yeah. into this with a win under their belt um, after over 600 days. They obviously had the week off due to um, health and safety protocols, but they didn't let it get to them and they kind of hit it really hard. And then they exploited a Richmond defense that was without Cordner and then Seymour couldn't play back there because Poppy Kelly's still out of the side. Mm. So it was a shorter back line. Um, Rebecca Miller was playing as the sole, you know, tall defender, which meant that one of Perkins or Bahana was always going to be outsizing their opponent. And they exploited that really, really well. And then that's compounded by Kate Sermon's work at their feet. Kate Sermon has gone to another level this year. Her skill with the ball has lifted significantly. So it now matches her effort and speed around the contest. And it's really fun to watch, but, The thing about Perkins and Bahana is if one's got the ball, the other one's working hard at the goal line to either create an option or make sure the ball's getting through. We saw it against West Coast and then we saw it again in this game. Really clever footy. Well, they're just mature players. And I know a lot of people talk about Sarah Perkins, like why is she there? She's not fit. She's not this. She's not that. A, she's fit enough to run around that footy field and apply a ton of pressure and also take some of those marks that she's taking so she's fit enough to be out there but also the maturity she brings to the field Mm -hmm. really comes through and I think that's really stabilized that forward line and I'm a big rap on Maddie Levi you know that I was really upset when she wasn't playing this year but at this point I'm like Maddie Levi who Tara Bahana is everything to me now (laughs) (laughs) can we just take a moment to appreciate that amazing leap that Perkins took into the back of Conti yeah (laughs) took the mark and then ran off the mark around Conti. Yeah, that was and better it into to the me. Goal square. Yeah, her running around Conti was more impressive to me than the mark. Her confidence to run around Conti, a player like Conti, was really impressive. So that shows the Unreal. level of confidence they're playing with. I'm pretty sure that a goal resulted off that play, and Conti looked furious. Oh, yeah, she was yelling at her team. She was in the yeah. foreground of the Suns celebration on the broadcast, and she was not happy. Was, yeah. Uh, Anyway, thoroughly entertaining game. Uh, who are you playing performer votes going to this this week? Um, three to Alison Drennan. I think she had her best game of the season so far. She had 27 touches, five tackles. But the thing that really stood out was when she won the ball in the corridor, she was very direct with her attack and she always got it on the boot because she wanted to gain that ground. I really liked that because it added to the surge mentality that um, Gold Coast had. Given the two to Kate Sermon, again, she was so good with that surge mentality as well, which is what Gold Coast want to play with. She's also so clean and close. There, there's just some of the handballs she gets off or some of the steals she makes in the air. She's so quick. And we always mock people when they talk about players having a basketball background. But I think that really helps Sermon with yeah. that really clean and close um, and quick hands thing. She also kicked a goal, had 12 disposals. So go Kate Sermon. And then one to Jamie Stanton. Again, I think that's the best game we've seen Jamie Stanton play this year. She played a pretty close role on Conti. I probably wouldn't call it a tag because she wasn't playing purely defensive footy. She was getting off and winning her own ball quite a bit. But what I really like about Stanton is she uses her body really cleverly to win the Mm. ball. She's always turning her body to protect the ball 
so that she can get it and spin out of trouble, that means she's not caught with it very often and she's able to break away from the congestion really well. And I think that really came out in this game. Quite often she was winning it in close and then getting out and free from that. And I really liked that. She had 20 touches in this game. I've given three to Tara Bahana because it's just incredible to see uh, what she's been doing the last couple of games. Great to see that form continue. I've given two to Ali Drennan. Um, I agree with you. Really great game. And I've given one point to Kate Dempsey because I thought her efforts off the Tigers back line were um, pretty impressive despite um, going down for the, the loss. Uh, so we had some questions come in this week. Uh, Ellie asked us what were our thoughts on who's been a standout or most improved, and Laws similarly asked us who were our most improved players for the season so far. You and I have taken a slightly different approach in answering this. What were your response to that? I've just chosen three players that I think are my big improvers. Maybe I took the easy way out. Um, <laughs> uh, Kate Sermon, I, I mentioned earlier, I think her skills have come up to the, her level of A, enthusiasm, and B, um, attack at the contest so it's mm-hmm. made everything she does look so much better because she's able to cap it off with good disposal um all right Dwyer I've kind of given you all her stats before but I think she is such an important playmaker for Brisbane um she's so important to their transition into attack and you know, looking at their forward line, like we discussed, having that player is so important because you want it into that forward line all the time. And she's the one doing that. And then my third is Hayley Miller, who again, we've talked about briefly, but in her 38 games coming to this season between 2017 and 2021, she averaged 12.1 disposals a game and had kicked four goals in that time. Um, in, and she'd never kicked more than one goal in a season. Mm. Um, this year so far across the first four games, she's averaging 17 disposals and she's kicked six goals. And again, I think it's a testament to her fitness, maybe her confidence because she's been voted in as captain or just chosen as captain. Um, and maybe it's just her maturing as a person as well, but I think she's having an unbelievable season. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, so I answered Ellie's question in a team sense and I answered Loz in a, in a player sense. Um, it's probably also worth noting that I've just basically come off the back of the, of being at a Carlton game. So there's <laughs> a fairly blue focus so in some of my answers. Um, but in terms of uh, my thoughts on who've been standout and most improved, um, I'm just loving the general improvement from the Tigers, Suns and the Cats. The competition is, is richer for it um, to have more competitive sides in those teams. So I've been really impressed with that. Um, and as far as Lawsel's question, I think mine's a little bit left of field, but I'm actually really, impl- really pleased to see the growth and confidence in um, Daisy Walker for the Blues. Um, she's obviously had to work pretty hard already this season in the back line for the Blues, but I'm really enjoying her attack on the footy and her confidence, especially when she's matching up against some of the more experienced and um, yeah, notable players in the competition. So it's, it's nice to see that growth from her. Yeah, I think the next step for her is just using the ball a bit better. Um, but mm. she's, she's Defensively, she's really good. Yeah, and obviously, like, great role models to learn from in the back line for Carlton um, with with Kez and Gab and um, Moore there. So Luke asked us who our picks are for front runners for the Rising Star so far. Can you answer this first? Yeah, I can. Uh, I've picked Alyssa Bannon and Charlie Robotten. Mm. Um, I've chosen them because... Firstly, I think um, for their nominations, like, you know, their performances for their nominations were above and beyond. Um, quite mature, confident players. Um, I know I know Bannon's in her second year and Robottom's only on, only in her first, but I think there's a reason Robottom um, was picked for number one. Um, and I feel like moving forward throughout the rest of this season, those two players are only going to shine. Like consistent performances across the round. So I feel like that puts them in good stead for being front runners for the competition. So I've chosen one person who has 
been nominated so far and two that haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, so Robottom is is the one that who has been nominated. It's really hard to go past her because she's so consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and she's the exact kind of contested ball player you want in your team. Um, and obviously I adore her and hope the Swans <laughs> steal her. Um, two that haven't been nominated yet, but I think will get nominations before the season is out. Um, one's Dana East from Frio. Her hands at the contest are unbelievably good. Those quick hands out. Um, we've talked about in the podcast before and and then Mm. her defensive pressure. So people are calling her baby turbo. And there's a reason for that. It's because she does, she does it both ways. She defends and then is really good at clearing the ball too. Um, And then the one that's maybe a bit left of field, I really like what Ali Morfitt has been doing at GWS. Um, She's chopping out for Aaron McKinnon in the ruck um, with Jess Allen out. She's just got such a presence on the field. She, knows where to position herself she might not get a lot of the ball but she's always in the aerial contest and she covers the ground really well and I've really enjoyed watching her play I'd love to see how she evolves over the season I have to agree with you on that last one actually because uh, a couple of uh, those games that I've watched her sub in with McKinnon I actually think her decision making has been better Mm. than McKinnon Mm. yeah Um, so pretty impressive to see for a first year player that's that's great um, and finally, speaking of the Giants, uh, Amelia asked us, going from the Giants playing in seemingly random positions and pulling it off, what player do we want to see play in another position they haven't played so far? I found this really hard to answer. Yeah. So I chose someone that I think would be interesting, but I don't think the team needs to do it because uh, they don't need to cover someone in that position. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think yes. I chose my person just because I'm interested to see it, not because I think it would be a good idea. Okay. <laughs> Chaos ball. Um, <laughs> so I think Kathy Spark playing a close defensive role on a forward like Ash Woodland would be really interesting because yeah. she's got the speed and the strength to go with someone like that. Um, and then the, the speed and the willingness to take a bounce um, and that agility to to then run off when she does win the ball. So I think that would be a really fascinating one. Yeah, yeah, I would love to see that. Please, Lions, do that if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you get another matchup, of course. Uh, I would love to see Kez Harrington have a run in Ford, but only <laughs> only if we can clone her. So she's also playing down back. <laughs> Um, but I just, I'd just be really interested to see how Kez's defensive skills and her ability to use the ball, her ability to take marks would be, I guess, used to Carlton up front as a target to kick to. She could probably sit at either half forward or full forward, but I think potentially be better suited at half forward with her skill set. She kicked her first goal in AFLW round one last year. Mm. Let's see more of that. Defenders kicking goals. What's your game to watch next round? So obviously I've gone with Brisbane v Collingwood. Mm. Um, Last year, the two sides played twice, once um, in round five or six, seven, Mm -hmm. round seven it was, sorry. Um, And then once in the prelim. Um, And they had a combined margin of seven points. So first one was four points, second one was three points. Brisbane won both. So I'm just curious to see how they go up against each other. Brisbane's kind of hitting their straps after a tough start, whereas Collingwood's kind of gone the other way a little bit. They'll obviously bounce back, but it's still going to be tough for them. So And, and they have to travel. Um, Collingwood don't travel a lot, and they have to travel up to, up to Queensland for this. So it's going to be an interesting one. Ooh, okay, right on. I didn't check where the uh, game was being played, so that will that does add an element of mystery to it. Well, as it stands right now, it's being played <laughs> in Maroochydore. Who knows what's going to happen? Exactly. That did cross my mind when I was thinking about what game I'd like to see, uh, whether or not I would actually get to see it. It would be a whole other kettle of fish. I have chosen North Frio, much for the same reasons I was excited to see Collingwood Frio play last week. Just the two styles of play match up. Obviously, North have had two on the run. Frio have had four on the run. I think it'd be a really entertaining match to watch. I think a lot of pressure and a lot of clean ball use 
So it could be, yeah, a really good one. And at this stage, it's being played in Tassie, I believe, in Hobart. We'll see. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chaos footy. We'll never. Chaos never footy. Know. That is we the season. We won't know until Wednesday, like, COB, I reckon. I have written many a piece about fixture changes this year already. <laughs> <laughs> Too true. Uh, on that note, based on the fixture as it stands now, what are your tips for round five? I mean, obviously, we've still got the Doggies v Frio to come on Tuesday. We think that? Yeah, Frio by 35. And I'm probably being conservative with the margin with the way Frio is playing right now. Yeah, look, I'm going to have to agree with you on that. As much as I'd love the Dogs to get a win under their belt, it's just not really a possibility against Frio, the way they're playing at the moment. Um, and given the, the recovery from COVID for the Doggies. So, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you and say Frio by 42. Writing this down diligently. Uh, and then, of course, on Friday, we've got the Cats taking on the Eagles at Cardinia Park. Now, we want this game to go ahead, everyone, because I'm meant to be calling this one. Yes. <laughs> so please don't let another game I'm meant to be calling get cancelled. <laughs> Send vibes <laughs> out into the universe. Uh, I'm going Geelong by 20. Uh, obviously, Eagles will be coming back from some of that disruption. And I, I reckon that the cats are so frustrated that they didn't get that win so that close. they'll come out just a bullet gate. Yeah. I too have picked the cats. I've got them winning by 24 uh, and I cannot wait to see them get that win, especially if it's at home. That'll be amazing. On Saturday afternoon, we have the giants taking on St Kilda at Henson Park. Who've you got? Yeah. Going giants with this one, but I don't feel confident in it. Both teams are coming off a good performance. Saints mm-hmm. obviously has had a week in between. But if Giants play the way they did on Friday, they should win this because I think they've got more attack in them. But again, I don't feel confident about this, so I'm tipping them by a goal. I'm tipping the Saints by eight. Yeah, you're a Saints supporter though. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Then Saturday night, we've got Lions taking on Collingwood, as we just talked about. Have you got? Yeah, Brisbane. By eight points. I think now that Brisbane have hit their straps, they're going to be that hard to beat team again. Whereas Collingwood, again, I have questions about their forward line. Yeah, I've gone lines by 12, despite the fact I think that Collingwood will probably be stinging a bit from that loss. I agree. I think the Lions have really found some form uh, and are on a bit of a run. So that that's my tip. What was your margin? Sorry, I didn't write it down. 12. 12, thank you. Two goals. I feel like the world needs to know that I'm the one writing this down. <laughs> But who does the edit, Jim? You do You do all the work, <laughs> I should say. You do absolutely everything. I jump on here once a week and talk and then piss off. And then the podcast magically appears. Magically appears. <laughs> but also, thank you for taking down my tips because I don't remember them. And I probably tip differently when I actually put my tips in. I just want it for yeah. victory. Yep. I, th- I think it's pretty safe to say that you, this far in advance, you'll probably win. Never know. My tipping is chaotic. Saturday night, we've got the doggies taking on Richmond at Witten. Nice Saturday night under lights at Witten. What do you reckon? So I've just changed my tip as we've Oof. spoken. I'm going dogs by two. <gasps> I'm going dogs by two. Controversy. I want them to get up. Yeah, I've just changed it. Change of heart. Good, good. Hopefully they get a, a decent rest in that short turnaround. That was why I didn't tip them to begin with, but now they've got to like, get a win. Ooh. Yeah, it's time. Uh, then we have on Sunday afternoon, we've got North taking on Frio down at Hobart. Who's your pick? Frio. I don't think North are as good a team as people think they are right now. Mm-hmm. I don't think their forward line is mobile enough. I know Emma King and Talia Randall, both great players, great in the air, all that sort of stuff. But I don't think they're mobile enough. And then you add that Kim Rennie is there as well. Mm. I think they are a bit slow and, and they looked quick against Carlton, but I don't think they're quick enough to go with Frio. That's fair. I mean, they are good in the air, but you need a good balance of talls and smalls to crumb. And I don't know that they can match up against Frio. I just don't think the balance is, I don't know if the balance is right. Whereas you look at Frio, their forward line, Gemma Houghton is one of their talls, but she's very athletic and mobile. Mm. You know, Mim Strom is probably their least mobile player, but she's not sitting forward. And no. she still does that ground ball pressure stuff. Yeah, I just, that's my question about North that I didn't mention earlier. Sorry. What's your tip there? Uh, Frio by 15. Sorry. <laughs> I've gone Frio by two. I'm going a closer margin. Probably just scarred from this afternoon. 
<laughs> Speaking of scarring, the next game is Carlton hosting Adelaide at Icon Park. I'm a bit scared by this one. Yeah, yeah I think you should be, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I'm tipping Adelaide by 40. I'm tipping Adelaide by 35. Sorry, yeah. Blues. Yeah. I am. Um, I really want them to get a win, but I just this fixture is not their friend. Also, the way they play is not their friend. <laughs> also that I was just going to follow up with, but also I don't know if any fixture would be their friend right now. <laughs> I love you, Blues, but come on. Uh, and then, of course, the final game for Sunday. We've got a few on Sunday. Dees play Gold Coast Suns at Casey Fields. Yeah, I think Melbourne's going to bounce back, win by 15. The Suns' pressure is good, but they were exposed a little bit against Richmond at times. And mm. I think Jade Prajali, she did injure her knee. She didn't play the second half of the game. They're pretty conservative about that. Yeah, and I think her missing really exposes them out the back. Um, mm. She usually plays as that deep defender, and Lauren Irons plays more attacking, rebounding out of defence. Um I that's my concern. And then with a forward line like Melbourne's, I think they can take advantage of that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. They can probably exploit it far greater than Richmond would. Agreed. I've gone D's by 18. Mm. Well, that is a wrap on our preview of round four of the AFLW season 2022. If you'd like to follow along with us this season, be sure to follow us on Twitter. You can find me at row underscore Cal, and you can also find at play on radio Melb. Gem, what's your Twitter handle? I'm at GL Bastiani. It's spelled how it sounds. <laughs> it is actually. That's really handy. Yes. Well, that's it from us for now. Thanks for listening and we'll chat to you next time on Footy Actually. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.